welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are so happy you've joined us. To our listeners all around the world, welcome. And we always enjoy our time together. We have such a fun show today. We're talking about the student coffee life with our special guest, Christine Gilbert. And before I introduce Christine and welcome her, I'd love to do an Anikona Farm moment. It's always fun to talk about what's going on at the farm. And so we have a special surprise for all of you. We have friends here on the farm from Hong Kong and Taiwan. We just had a great farm lunch with Kona Coffee, and we've been having so much, but I thought it'd be really a great treat if they all came over and said hello to you, and a one big aloha. Hello! And aloha! So, uh, we have friends, a group of 13 uh, from Taiwan and Hong Kong, so thank you so much for joining us on the farm, and all the best, and we're so glad you came to visit us. So, lots of love to you all. Uh, we've also been having fun Anikona Farm moments where we've had friends from Los Angeles and Texas join us. And, of course, those are our favorite times. We've had beautiful weather. There's snow on Mauna Kea Summit, which is incredible. Uh, they received a lot of snow. We were talking about that maybe last time that we were expecting some snow. So we felt our holidays were really fun. And so now we're going to talk about the student coffee life with Christine Gilbert. And Christine, oh, she's she's an amazing student as well as she's she's done a variety of projects. She attends the University of Washington Executive MBA program. She's also a graduate from Trinity College in Hartford in music and architectural studies and we are so looking forward to chatting with you and welcoming you, Christine. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my year, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's it's a highlight for us as well, and we're so honored you're with us. And we thought it'd be really fun to share some of your fun stories and a little bit about your early days and your studies, like maybe some of your favorite classes and teachers in the early days. Well, um, we actually have um, have quite a connection because just to let our, our listeners know, uh, we've been family friends for a very long time, and I've um, I've known your kids for um, all of my very long life, I'm sure. Um, and we actually went to St. Thomas School together back in the, back in Medina, Washington, on the mainland, and um, and it was just a wonderful school. Um, it was just a lovely small, intimate school, and, um, and we have so many fond memories of our time there, and um, your son Wyatt and I still like to reminisce um, about just so many wonderful moments that we had, and um, actually, one of my dear teachers, uh, her name, she was our fourth grade teacher, her name was Dodie Hand, and she uh, actually attends my church now, so I see her almost every Sunday sitting in the congregation and she's just so delighted to see me up singing away um, in the choir and actually our gym teacher as well. Um, 
she okay. attends the church, Ruth Lee. Um, so it, it's funny because I, I now see a lot of the St. Thomas community um, as an adult, and, um, and so that's really fun. But I just have so many wonderful moments, and um, gosh, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have changed it for the world. I love St. Thomas School. <laughs> it is a we special school. We were the proud school. acorns. <laughs> yes, the proud acorns. Well, and there were a lot of fun projects that you worked on, including the animal report. Which um, animal did you do, Christine? Well, I um, faithfully reported on the dolphin, and, um, and I hand-wrote 151 pages on the dolphin, and um, it was quite a capstone project for um, third-grade Christine, and um, it was much anticipated for years leading up to uh, the third grade, um, because we all knew it was coming, and um, <laughs> I, for some reason, I think I always felt a strong affinity with dolphins. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I chose them and researched them deeply. And, um, and it's it, not that it was a, um, a, a competition between the students, but we did, we all tried to have very, very long reports. And uh, some of us took our double-spaced handwriting a little liberally because you can really squeeze out some extra pages if you space out your words a little more. And, yeah. um, <laughs> So, um, but, but I did learn a lot about dolphins, and um, I had some lovely printed graphics. Back in the day, it was a big deal to print in color, so I had some really nice color-printed pictures of dolphins, and um, I still have that report. I like to just fondly reminisce about it every now and then, and yes. um, I'm so glad that I learned so much about, about the dolphin, a fine creature <laughs> you'll find in uh, many of our oceans around the world. <laughs> Those early days were so special. I know that (laughs) you've always been so talented in music, um, and your interest in music uh, is is sort of stemmed from those early days as well. You were doing piano and singing pretty early. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I have. um, We have a very musical family, so I'm blessed to have been put in that position because I assume I would have chosen it on my own, but it was just sort of what was done. And uh, from a very young age, we all um, joined our church choirs, and um, we all had piano lessons as well, all my uh, siblings and I. So um, I had an amazing piano teacher who was a Russian conservatory-trained pianist, one of my great heroes in my life, um, amazing woman, one of my second mothers, and um, love her dearly. And she taught me so much about appreciating music and um And I I still have a wonderful relationship with her, even though she now is um, actually living outside of Washington, D.C., but um, I try and call her and talk to her every now and then. And um, and I I wish I had more time to practice piano because you really have to keep it up. But um, but it's something I'll always have and always have such a love for. And even now when I um, something about piano music just always has a special place in my heart because whenever I really need to focus on doing work or um, writing something or just kind of need to focus on something but have lovely music in the background, I always sort of gravitate towards just piano music. Um, so I think that kind of has had a long impact in me. Um, and then in singing, of course, I have, um, I've just dabbled in so many different areas. I grew up singing in my um, Presbyterian church choir. And then when I went away to college at Trinity College, they have a beautiful, um, they call it a chapel on campus, but it's actually kind of a mini cathedral 
it's based on the National Cathedral that's in Washington, D.C., and um, the same architect did it. So it looks like that, but just a little bit shrink-rised. And, um, and so that was an amazing chapel to get to sing in um, with beautiful stained glass. And it just felt like I was in a kind of a European cathedral. So I got to sing in that every week, um, rehearsing and then singing Sunday Vespers. And then I was friends with the organist. So we would, um, after Vespers, we'd go and have dinner and then come back and I would sing at Catholic Mass. And <laughs> so, I, um, so I got to experience all these wonderful traditions. Um, and when I was in, uh, I studied abroad in Paris, my uh, junior spring, which I, was to this day, I think the best six months of my life. It's the most beautiful city in the world. And um, I joined the choir at the American Cathedral in Paris. And that was so fun, a, a really fun way to get to know mostly expats um, who lived there because they mostly spoke English. Um, but it was such a fun way to make a community there. Um, and so I got to sing in all of those services. So, um, so that's been really special. Um, and then I was actually a music major, so I got to study um, just all different types of music, including um, I then did a senior vocal recital, which because um, I had never really done. I had only done heaps and heaps of choral singing throughout my life. And I thought, well, I know how to write papers. So I could do just a regular old thesis. But what would really push me is if I decided to stand by myself on stage for an hour and a half <laughs> and, um, and have, you know, a crowd full of people staring at me. Boy, that sounds terrifying. I should probably do that. <laughs> so, um, so that was a, it was a wonderful learning experience. And um, yeah, I've just been, um, music is such, I think, an important part of um, of, of my life, and it's such a wonderful way to connect to people, and I uh, can't imagine life without it. Well, those are some really favorite memories, and thank you for sharing those, Christine. And <laughs> you, During your growing up days, um, you have such a wonderful family. Might you have a fun, like, favorite family story or even a favorite family coffee story that you might like to share with our listeners? Well, I will say um, coffee is always a very important part of family gatherings, especially extended family gatherings, because um, I have a strong Norwegian side of the family, and, um, and they take their coffee very seriously. Um, so at, at any family gathering, um, whenever we, usually we start off with some coffee, but then especially after a meal, usually someone will walk around with a handful of mugs, and, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't even know how they get that many mugs in their hands, but hooked in every finger, there'll be mugs. And the other hand, a coffee thermos, and they just walk around offering everyone and every, everybody drinks coffee. So, um, so that's always kind of a fun thing to see after the dinner table uh, or after dinner finishes. So someone always comes around with like the little coffee cart, the one man coffee cart. Um, and uh, although I, I must have, uh, my, my Norwegian genes have been diluted a little bit because I can't drink coffee straight, and um, and for Scandinavians, the stronger the better. So, um, so I'm always a little bit sheepish when I just request a little bit of sugar or creamer. But um, my uh, some of my siblings are the same way, so we, we kind of band together in that. But um, but the family, the the Norwegian family, does they love their coffee. So it's always a fun part of gathering. We know, oh, we better get our coffee grounds, get everything ready because. It, especially when we uh, gather together as a family and sit down, we know coffee's coming. 
Oh, that's so fun. Definitely a, a fun story. Would you say that you, when you were attending Trinity College, was there a special student hangout, coffee hangout that students would would visit? There actually was. There was um, something, it was called the Underground, um, and it was uh, applicably underground. And um, and that was kind of a fun place because they also had students work there. Um, so they, they would staff it, and that's how some students could make a little extra money. And some of my friends were um, worked there, so it was really fun to go and, um, and have them kind of be able to hang out with them, but also um, they could be working at the same time. So I would go and sometimes do some work there. Um, so that was a really fun place. Um, and then also, since I you know, grew up in the Pacific Northwest, the East Coast fall time with beautiful leaves was just always such a spectacle. So I would like to find, um, you know, kind of on weekends, I would find a friend who had a car, bum a ride and say, well, why don't we go for a, you know, a Sunday drive to get coffee far away and, and have them drive, you know, a couple towns over or something as an excuse to just kind of take a Sunday drive or something through um, the beautiful because they just have these rolling hills with beautiful colors in autumn. So I would always, um, you know, I found a couple different friends who would be willing to humor me. Um, and we'd go find a Starbucks two or three towns over so that we could um, take a fun, beautiful drive and then go and kind of walk around. It felt very quintessentially New England to kind of bundle up and walk around town holding our coffee and, and then get back in the car and, and drive back. It felt <laughs> Very lovely. So I, I thought that so was a good excuse to um, to get out and about. Definitely. Did you have a lot of late nights as you were studying and preparing for finals at Trinity College? Oh, I certainly did. Um, not that I would procrastinate habitually, but every once in a while, it seems to happen. Um, and even if you don't, sometimes there's just a lot of work. So, um, so sometimes um, caffeine is just a necessity. And um, I, I did pull a couple of all-nighters, but it's, it's certainly not pleasant. Um, so luckily, those were few and far between. But, um, but I've, never, I've never found that decaf is, I just don't think it's, uh, I don't see the need for it. It just seems like all-calf all the time is how it should be. <laughs> well, it, also, it seems like St. Thomas School and then the next school you attended, Lakeside School there in Seattle, helped you prepare so that you were well on your way when you attended Trinity College. Tell us a little bit about how it was attending Lakeside School. I actually loved Lakeside. Um, It's a beautiful campus here in Seattle. um, And my older brother went there as well. So I I had a chance to kind of get a preview before I went there. Um, but it's a lovely school with amazing teachers, and it's very rigorous, but it, like you said, it does prepare you very well for the next step when you've kind of already had a, a challenging experience. Um, and I just still have so many wonderful lifelong friends from that experience, and um, I actually was on the Lakeside Alumni Board. I did a stint a few years ago now, but I, was, I think I was on the board for three years maybe, and that was such a fun way to get back in touch with the school and go back to campus every month and, um, and kind of chat with faculty and staff and see what's going on and um, new projects they have coming up and new ideas. And um, Lakeside is really on the cutting edge of education. I was so impressed with 
how much it's changed even since I was there a scant 10 years ago. Um, and they are just really changing with all sorts of different ideas and flipped classrooms and a micro school that they're piloting and um, all sorts of new projects. And um, they're constantly trying to update curriculum with faculty. And uh, it was so I really appreciated that chance to see the other side of it because um, when I was there as a student, of course, no one really appreciates things when they have them. <laughs> but um, yes. but I didn't notice a lot of those things as much as now looking back, I do. And um, especially speaking with a lot of other members from the board who um, mostly were much older than I was. And we all, you know, would be kind of looking around saying, gosh, it's, this is amazing. The, you know, the opportunities that kids have now and... Um, and it's wonderful to be a part of that alumni network because um, there's just so many wonderful people and they care so much about the community and the school and staying involved. Um, so that has been really fun. And I, I sort of accidentally have become um, an, our unofficial class representative, I guess. Although I don't think we really have that title. But if we did, I, I think it would be me um, because I, I've started... Um, because I was associated with the board, I would um, let everyone know in my class when there were events coming up, and um, and then I planned our five-year reunion, and then the 10-year, and so I think now it's cemented that people kind of look to me and say, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> but um, but it's so fun to get people together, so, um, so I don't mind it at all. I'm always happy to be the Pied Piper and try and crowbar people into um, coming to, uh, to gather together, so... I don't mind it, I guess. You know, it's so appreciated all that you've done for Lakeside School, and you set such an amazing example of being an incredible student yourself. And so thank you so much for your service to Lakeside. And we've so enjoyed chatting about your early days. And uh, listeners, as soon as we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some of Christine's current studies at the University of Washington, a little bit more about that. So please join us right after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're having so much fun with Christine Gilbert. We've been talking about her early days as a student, some of her favorite classes, how Christine ended up doing music at Trinity College, and her interest in music and piano and vocal. It's been really fun to share that. So thank you, Christine. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about Christine's current studies at the University of Washington, where she's attending and doing an executive MBA. How's that going, Christine? Well, it's um, it's quite something going back to school. I I didn't think I would ever go back to school, and um, and it's a lot doing it on top of work, just sort of sprinkling the MBA on top of um, everything else that I do. But um, I've just made it through the first quarter, finished finals last week. Um, it was very odd being back in finals. But it's actually, it's very fun. Uh, it's a ton of work and lots and lots of reading, but, um, but I'm really enjoying it. And the, um, the cohort that I'm with, it's about 40 of us, um, and we've all been out of school for a long time. I'm actually relatively young for the program. Um, so everyone has been out for a long time, um, and it's just an amazing group of people. Um, and they put us in uh, study groups of kind of five or six um, and we do a lot of kind of group projects and we work together a lot. Um, so I'm already forming really close relationships with these people. And my group, you know, we're just, we represent all different industries. We have people in the fashion industry, computers, um, a lawyer, someone who um, works in, um, at Boeing. And so it's, it's really interesting having this mix of different people across different industries, all very accomplished across my cohort. Um, so I really appreciate learning from them as we're all diving into this together and kind of recognizing that we're, um, you know, kind of most of us are used to being in management of some level in our careers. And then we um, come to this and um, kind of are at, back at square one because we're getting a master's of business because we don't know anything. Well, not don't know anything, but, um, I know but because we know we want to learn more about that. So it's been really fun to um, to learn with these people and um, and get to know them as friends and colleagues. Um, in addition to just really appreciating the subjects so far, and you know we've only had a few classes, but um, we've had some really interesting classes about um, legal business and um, and kind of challenges with the law and things to avoid, um, and then a, an accounting class that just blew me away. I had no idea how much, how little I knew about accounting. Um, and, um, and then a microeconomics class. 
and some strategy. I really enjoyed actually the strategy class that um, we read a bunch of different case studies that were surprisingly relevant about um, a lot of companies that um, are especially located here in the Pacific Northwest. It, there were case studies on, of course, Microsoft and Boeing and Nintendo and, um, and then others that, you know, were just kind of ones that I had known about, about Coca-Cola and so things that I would recognize as I was reading through. Um, so it, it's surprisingly relevant. I don't know what I expected, but, um, but it, it's been actually rather rewarding. And I, I do love learning. Um, so, um, so I appreciate the challenge and, um, and I'm really enjoying it. And I've made it through one quarter, so surely I can get through the next two years, I would think. <laughs> no, you've done a great job, Christine. When you were first thinking about this, what inspired you to pursue the MBA? Well, I've thought about it for a while, and um, it's always kind of been in the back of my mind thinking, if I ever did go back to school, um, that this would probably be rather handy, um, because I, I, I just think there are some some areas that I'm not quite as comfortable. I've, I've worked in multiple different industries and learned a lot through experience. I've, um, my practice has always been to just sort of dive in and figure things out really quickly, uh, which is effective, but, um, but you can certainly um, be helped a lot by, by just um, going to school and, and learning things from kind of a theoretical side and understanding history. And um, so I, I appreciate that kind of, learning, I always maybe worried a little bit. I just had some holes that wouldn't be filled. Um, you know, they talk about learning the language of business. Um, and I was always very good at faking it, but I thought, you know, maybe long term, um, this is a good step for my career. Um, and so once I kind of thought, well, maybe I really do need to do this, um, I just had to decide where to go. Um, and I, I wasn't really interested in going away for two years because I've, um, I've chosen Seattle and um, I just am absolutely in love with the city and the area and my family is here and my church is here. So, um, so I wouldn't want to leave um, and, you know, go away for two years and make a new community for myself and come back. I wasn't necessarily interested in that. So I thought, well, I don't want to stop working while I'm here. And um, then I learned about the executive MBA program, which is rather perfect. Um, and, uh, and it's difficult kind of making it all work, but, um, but they schedule it so that we meet once or twice a week for kind of these full day blocks, um, and then meet with our study teams throughout the week. And, um, so it's a scheduling challenge to be sure, but, uh, but I'm really appreciating it. And, um, and I had never been a Husky before and was rather oblivious to, um, to the college, um, that's just a scant drive across the lake for me um, because I've just always gone to such small schools. So I was never interested in um, something that was so huge, but it's been really fun getting into the, um, the culture a little bit. And I missed my window this fall to go to a, a Husky football game. So I have to do that next fall. I'm told um, and it does sound really fun. So I'm, I'm kind of learning how to be a student and an adult student in Seattle, I guess. So I'm, I'm learning tentatively the, the university district and even sometimes driving there, I don't use my GPS. So that's how I know <laughs> I must really be getting confident. Well, we knew that your student experiences would really be fun to hear all about 
you know, how you have evolved as being a student. And so in thinking about student coffee life, it, we thought, oh, Christine would be so fun to, to chat with. Are there some fun places around the University of Washington that are your student hangouts that you love to share a good cup of coffee? Well, I will say that um, there's a little less hanging out than, um, than there was perhaps at a, as a full-time college student. Um, and our, our days are scheduled so that we have one huge long block of um, class in the morning and then about like maybe a 60-minute break from where they feed us. And then we have another big long, you know, three to four-hour block in the afternoon. Um, so, but what we have found is fun to um, take during that lunch if we can scarf down food quickly enough then um, just to stretch our legs and to kind of get out um, for a little caffeinated walk. Um, some of my um, new kind of girlfriends, we've gone for a walk. And so far, we've just gone to Starbucks simply because you can order ahead. So we can kind of run in, grab them and go um, to barely get back in time um, because it's always embarrassing. And it, it maybe happened once or twice to walk in when a lecture has already started and we walk in obviously guilty with our coffee cups. So <laughs> Um, so we've had to really um, book it and try to make it work. So I'm, we've sort of only experimented with Starbucks in the university district. But, um, but one of my favorite um, cafes kind of, I think there are a few around the area actually, but called Cafe Ladro. That, oh, yes, um, I'm they familiar. They have great pastries, um, but also they have some really fun um, different coffee drinks and one that um, comes with an orange peel in it. That's so really very exciting and fun. So, um, but I'm always wondering, uh, or I'm always wanting to explore maybe a little bit more. Um, so I, I hope in the next, you know, kind of two years to have some time to explore the university district more. Um, because some of my um, colleagues in the class went there um, uh, when they were in undergraduate. So I think they do know the area more and they have made some recommendations, but we haven't had time yet to, to go and explore. So I, I do hope to go there because it, there are a bunch of teeny little cafes that look very cute. So, so I'm hoping to explore more in the next um, two years before I um, am graduated. But, but it does seem like there's not much time So um, because they keep us pretty <laughs> I know. busy. I know. You're on such a tight schedule. And that's, we'd also like to say thank you so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule and sharing oh, about your stories. You had mentioned that that's you have honor, a of course. <laughs> We're so delighted you're here with us. Uh, you had mentioned you have a funny coffee story uh, that was part of a wedding. Would you like to share that with our listeners, please? Yes. So um, one of my very dear friends, she was my um, college roommate, actually. Um, she got married last summer to another of my dear friends from Trinity, and um, and we got they got married at the Trinity Chapel that I mentioned earlier, which was wonderful. It was so lovely to be back on campus, and um, it was such a special place to them, which is why they chose to get married there. Um, and I wasn't a part of the wedding party, um, but I was very close with all of them, and they asked me to do a couple of readings in the ceremony. So I was involved with the wedding party, but didn't actually have any of those obligations, which was very handy because then I could do a lot of, um, I was free to kind of run around and do things that, um, that the actual wedding party couldn't leave. And um, at one point, um, it was, I don't know how many, I think it was maybe three or four hours before the ceremony. And um, it became clear that, that 
that we needed a pick me up. And, um, and so I said, well, I'm the gal for the job. And I borrowed someone's car and I took, I think over 20 orders. And I thought, well, I can go to Starbucks. This will be fine. I'm a single independent woman. I can make this happen. And, um, and I went in and, um, and I gave them, you know, at the, the poor barista took the order and they got everything ready and I was so excited. And then I suddenly realized that, um, that there were actually more cups than hands could even hold in like the, the traveling containers. Cause I think there were five, um, travelers and I simply didn't have enough hands for that. And I was parked, um, on street parking a few streets away. So, um, so I quickly made friends, uh, in the coffee shop and, um, and a caravan of, of new friends followed me carrying <laughs> these coffee things. Cause I said, we this is for a wedding. We're going to save the bride and groom. I need you all with me now. <laughs> so, so like my, you know, with like little ducklings behind me, little caffeinated ducklings, they <laughs> took me, uh, they followed me to my car and we loaded it up uh, very carefully in the back seat, and I just drove so slowly <laughs> on the way back, and um, and then luckily called to have someone help me unload on the way back. But um, but it was very funny because I thought everything through except that one key point of of actually transporting everything back to my car. But um, but I had a lovely opportunity to make some friends in the coffee shop, and um, it's a great opportunity to turn strangers <laughs> into new friends. <laughs> Way to way to just rise to the occasion, Christine, and just you know, there's your good managerial skills right there. That's right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> no, that's that's you and you did save the day. Situation. Yes, you're a great organizer, and I'm sure that everyone <laughs> felt like they were helping the bride and groom. So, thank you for sharing that with us. When you're living in Seattle, I know it's it's a beautiful city. Um, what are some of your favorite things about living in Seattle? Oh, well, I just love water and the mountains and just appreciating the beauty everywhere I drive, even if it's not always sunny. I know uh, people like to say that it's just raining all the time. It's not always raining. It's just that it's not particularly always sunny. <laughs> but um, but I just, I love it. And I, it just, I guess, feels like home um, with the beautiful green trees and Lake Washington. And when the mountain is out, of course, it's always fun to salute Mount Rainier when, when she or he, I don't know which the pronoun should be, but when, uh, when it makes an appearance and, um, and driving across Lake Washington, um, so I think about, I'm just always so swept away by how beautiful it is. And we have every possible um, kind of outdoor activity that anyone could be interested in within an hour's drive. There's skiing of every type and, um, and there's the border if you're interested in going to Canada or the ocean, just like <laughs> anything you could want um, within an hour. And, um, and I just think it's so beautiful. And there's simply nothing better than um, summertime in Seattle. And having experienced areas in the country that are more humid, um, I just, I don't know why you would ever choose that. <laughs> I'm not personally equipped to, uh, to survive well in humidity. But um, so I appreciate the, the temperate nature of, of the Seattle climate. And I'm always, um, I'm always pitching Seattle to, to those who live in other areas of the country and people who've never visited Seattle. So I'm, uh, I'm always pitching it. And I spent four years when I was at Trinity 
explaining dutifully to everyone why it was indeed the best possible location. So, um, and I will continue to do that until everyone has moved to Seattle. <laughs> well, there's a lot that Seattle offers, and, and we would agree with you. It's a, it's a wonderful place. And you've also worked there as well, not just now attending the University of Washington and, and some of the other schools we talked about, Lakeside School and St. Thomas School. Before we go to break, Christine, make, maybe you could kindly share with our listeners that you also worked with social venture partners and fast, fast pitch and what that entailed. Sure, yes. Um, I have gotten to know some, um, uh, just the incredible entrepreneurial community of the Seattle area um, through Social Venture Partners. Um, There's an amazing program uh, called Fast Pitch, which is a business pitch competition for startup companies that do social good in the greater Puget Sound area. And, um, And I actually just this last fall finished my seventh year doing that. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and it's really grown. It's been wonderful to um, to work on that for so long. Um, but there are just incredible companies that come through, um, and we um, we assign them coaches that are um, business leaders throughout the community um, that will either help them with their pitch, or if they need help with their business plan, or um, they need someone on their board or something. They make some great connections, um, and so for free, we give them all of these resources. And they, um, and then we do have a competition, but it's a friendly competition. We like to say that we're Shark Tank without the teeth, and um, and so they um, go through this competition, and um, we end up having multiple companies, um, the kind of the finalists. Um, we put them on stage at McCaw Hall, our kind of local performing arts um, theater, and um, and invite a thousand of the public, um, and we have kind of this social pep rally and. Um, there are companies of all different ages. We have student companies, both high school and university, and then nonprofits and some for-profits. So it's a really interesting range um, because we have kind of a couple different missions. We want to be a platform for these companies, of course, that are addressing all different types of social issues in the area. Um, but we also um, want to help educate the public so when we open right. this up to the public, we want to offer them um, kind of this interesting platform to learn about um, kind of things that are going on and how they can get involved in all these um, different issues and people who are doing amazing things with really innovative ideas to combat these issues. And some of them are environmental or, um, you know, helping kids with autism um, learn how, you know, how to be more effective in school or... Um, stopping sex trafficking or um, this, saving the environment or um, there was a really interesting are, company last year that um, had to do with um, signing up to have your body um, essentially decomposed and then used to fertilize the forest that was really interesting. Oh. So, um, so they just <laughs> these have are these really amazing. interesting ideas and um, it's been really fun to be a part of that. And maybe, Christine... The projects that you've worked on, can't wait to hear a little bit more about it. We're going to take a quick break. And listeners, please join us after the break. We'll talk a little bit more about those fun projects that Christine's involved with with Social Venture Partners. Please join us. (music) 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been talking about the student coffee life with Christine Gilbert in Seattle, and we've been having so much fun chatting about what it's like attending the University of Washington Executive MBA program, the fun things about Seattle, some of our favorite places in Seattle. Um, And also, Christine has been involved in Social Venture Partners and Fast Pitch. And we were hearing about all the good that that organization does. We were talking a little bit about the technologies. And Christine, maybe you could just kindly share us a bit more about some of the great things Social Venture Partners is doing. Sure. Well, um, Social Venture Partners, and I'm, I'm not a member of Social Venture Partners, so I, I just have kind of learned on the outside for years because I've always worked on this project um, that they do, but they actually work with um, companies long term and um, partially why it was um, started, I think over 20 years ago, just over 20 years, um, is a group of people came together and said, well, um, you know, we want to be philanthropically minded, but, um, but we want to make more of an impact than just dropping funds on, on a company and then just saying, okay, well, good luck with that. Um, and they realized that you can have a much deeper and more effective impact if you really come alongside these companies and partner with them for, um, usually it's a five-year period, and say, okay, we're going to give you these funds, this is your grant, but we're also going to um, stay with you and make sure that um, that this is a, a useful um, grant for you. And so it's tailored to each company or organization, um, but whatever kind of holes they might have or whatever help they might need, um, these partners that are um, volunteers um, come forward and come alongside the company for five years and um, really make sure that that money is used effectively and well and really helps launch the organization to be more effective 
um, in its programs. So sometimes it's just serving on the board and other times it, maybe they need a finance person. Um, so it's a really effective way to take impact investing um, to the nonprofit level and have a really lasting impact on these companies. Um, and fast pitch is kind of a, a, a really tiny part of that. Um, it's a program within Social Venture Partners um, that's kind of an intensive four or five months, um, you know, some of the entrepreneurs call it boot camp. Um, but it's, um, it's a way to um, give some of these organizations some really useful skills, um, even if they don't um, kind of get all the way through the program and win uh, funds. Um, then they still uh, were part of this great community and we encourage them to learn from each other as organizations in kind of the same playground here in Seattle um, and also um, to give them good connections and be able to help them um, with whatever it is they might need so we can provide um, some of these coaches to really work with them. Um, and they've said it's so helpful not only to, um, for a lot of them, learning how to make a pitch is not something that they have done in the nonprofit world. They're just kind of boots on the ground, working hard every day, and they don't think about, well, how do I effectively ask for funding? Um, and so learning how to do a five-minute pitch with PowerPoint and um, uh, kind of a, you know, being able to effectively communicate your story and the problem you're addressing and how you're uh, effectively um, helping or you came up with an idea to... Um, combat that um, is has been they have the feedback we get is that it's been really useful for them um, to learn all of those skills. So um, we've had this wonderful community both um, with all of these entrepreneurs throughout the years who come through the program, um, and then also with each other because a lot of the team who has put on the program over the last um, seven years, many of them. Have, um, have been around for a few years. So I've, I've made some wonderful friendships and, um, and I've been one of the kind of the leads in various roles um, for all seven years. And uh, so we like to, at the end of the program, we like to do a big thank you to the, um, to the team for helping to put it on. And my, my co-conspirators and I often come up with fun ways to uh, thank everyone for their efforts including often rewriting the words to popular songs and, um, and sharing them with the group in a, in a performing manner, um, really anything to humiliate ourselves. Um, but, um, but we think it's very fun. Um, that so is. It, it sounds like it's um, a lot of work for this program, and it is, but, um, but we also have a lot of fun with it. Um, and this last, um, the kind of the final showdown, we call it, um, at McCaw Hall, where we have the finalists pitch their ideas and um, we thought it would be fun this year to add a little bit of levity. There's always a little levity, but we wanted to take it to the next step. Um, so I actually recorded some um, spoof airline safety videos to, um, <laughs> to show throughout the night. Um, and, um, and then I came out live at the end as the airline attendant. And uh, so it was quite a fun gag. And, um, and I'll, I'll never hear the end of it because I, I took it very seriously and um, I might have a second career as an airline attendant. I, I was really good at gesturing to the exits. So, um, so I didn't realize that I, that I had that deep within me. 
Well, Christine, you make everything fun and you put a lot of heart into all that you do. Um, I'm so grateful to you for being so involved in your community and you've you've always helped out so much, even with Lakeside and even with Fast Pitch and a lot of those projects. But I also recall that you've done a lot of good when you've traveled to Africa and you've helped with eye surgeries there. there. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Yes, um, that was an incredible experience. Um, I, my father is um, an ophthalmologist, and um, we had the opportunity, oh, I think we first went in 2010, maybe, um, to, um, to actually go on a surgical mission. Um, we went to Ghana, and, um, and I went with my older brother and my younger sister, and we had our little surgical team, um, and we had um, a host doctor over in um, Accra, which is the capital city of Ghana, and um, and we had um, we performed surgeries in um, his. They call it a theater, not a not a, an emergency room. They called an eye theater, which is a little unsettling, but um, it was incredible um, comparing the conditions there to conditions here and we take so much for granted with our you know state-of-the-art medical care that's just at the tip of our fingertips especially here in um, in Seattle we have just amazing hospitals um, and we just didn't have those facilities over there and a lot of times we had to kind of make do um, but eye surgery is a little different than um, you know being able to drive around with a mobile dental clinic um, you really do need certain um, things to be established, even if it's not quite to the caliber that we have here in the United States. Um, so my uh, my dad had to really kind of make things work with um, um, equipment he was not used to having and um, cataract surgery here. Um, we mostly did cataract surgery. Um, it involves ultrasound and very tiny incisions. And um, for patients here, it's, you know, kind of quick and easy in and out and um, it was not the same over there. Um, but it, it's very humbling to see um, how, how bad a lot of the um, cataracts are over there. And um, some of that, so for, I learned a whole lot about this. I didn't before I got involved. But, um, but cataracts often develop um, in the kind of in our um, in the United States. We don't see them very often. Um, early in life. It often develops much later in life um, as the lens in your eyes starts to cloud and harden. Um, but it happens much younger, in, um, especially in African countries, partially because of poor nutrition, but also they're um, much closer to the equator, especially in Ghana. They're right there um, near the equator. And so there's a lot more UV exposure and they don't wear a whole lot of sunglasses. So, um, so the cataracts that develop over there are much more severe than we see here and in much younger. So um, we would, um, from this kind of host doctor who was stationed in the capital city, we would um, pile into vans and drive hours and hours out into remote villages. Google Maps had no idea where I was. Um, and, um, and I split up and I went with one van and my siblings kind of each went with another van. So I was alone with, you know, some of our host doctors, but I was um, 
the um, the villagers were very surprised to see me. I'm a I'm a rather tall gal, and um, and they didn't know what to do with this tall white female. I'm sure I was the only you know Caucasian for miles and miles, so I was rather a spectacle and. Um, and we would do, um, we would kind of set up mini screening clinics to see if who needed surgeries. Um, and we would, if they did, we'd pile them back into the van, drive back for hours. Um, and then uh, we would do surgery all day long um, until, you know, the last person was finished and they would spend the night in the clinic. Um, and the next morning, take off the eye shield and they it's so amazing um, when you kind of suddenly get that lens exchange because we take out the old one and put in a new clean lens. And so it's not like setting a broken wrist or something where even if you get proper care, you sort of just have to sit for six weeks and then, well, great, it healed and then I'll work on it and it'll be much better, but far down the road. Um, with cataract surgery, you the next day, you kind of take off that eye shield and it's just as if you know, like magic, truly, you can see again. Um, and it's so humbling. I mean, it just gives you shivers, the the reactions that we had the next morning. I mean, they were wow. jumping up and they'd start singing and they'd run over to hug my dad. Um, and they didn't speak English, of course, um, even though Ghana is... Um, uh, was a, um, a colony of the UK. So um, the official language is... English, um, but many of the villagers didn't even speak some of the main dialects. So we sometimes would have to have two different chains of, of translators just to communicate with them. But um, but they made their joy known, even with no barriers. I mean, no language um, ability. How and incredible! We're so joyful, and um, it's so humbling. Oh. And and we got to do that. Um, Three times, actually, we went back over um, over the last several years, um, and it is so humbling to um, to be able to serve people like that, um, where there's just so much need. Um, and you know, yes. we we learn just amazing statistics about how um, there are more ophthalmologists in the Greater Bay Area than in the entire continent of Africa. So there's huge need and not enough. Um, to be able to address this truly preventable blindness. I mean, some things, yes. and it was heartbreaking that there were some people we really couldn't help, and that's that's very hard for me because I'm not a uh, a doctor who's able to compartmentalize and just go in and you know do the proper medical thing. Um, I um I I am much too empathetic for that, so it was really really hard for me when there were people that we just couldn't help because of other you know eye damage or other medical issues. Yes. But um, for those that we are able to help, if it's simply just cataracts, then that is completely preventable blindness because you can be completely blind from it. But if you just change out the lens, literally, um, then, then that can be fixed. And it's amazing to Definitely. me as someone who is not a doctor and uh, <laughs> so yes. respect and appreciate those who, I mean, truly are blessed to perform. I think it's magic. <laughs> It so is it's magic, and Christine, to be a part of that. Thank you for doing that, and to your father as well, and your family for giving the gift of eyesight to so many in Africa, and 
for doing all that good. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. As we close, Christine, thank you for sharing all those stories. Just inspiring. Really appreciate it. As we close, um, and we've talked so much with Christine about her fun student stories, about coffee life, being a student. Uh, we've really enjoyed hearing about Seattle life as well. And of course, as listeners, please, you can always send questions to radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. But as we close, Christine, what in just a few seconds, please, what would you say is your next step after the MBA program? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I'm not sure I have that all figured out just yet. <laughs> um, I'm actually working with my father now in medical practice, helping to run that. Um, and I may end up um, staying here and um, perhaps eventually taking over the company. Um, and um, and if not, then I don't know. I'm uh, I'm really involved in the arts community around here. I'm um, really excited to be helping to um, raise funds for the Tadeuchi Center here, um, a local performing arts center. And um, I I just have so many wonderful people I've met, and I'm so um, grateful for so many opportunities in different industries that I've had. So I, gosh, I. I just don't even know, um, but I'm always excited to learn more and um, and work with different people and um, help and make connections with different people. So um, I guess I will have well, to we're see excited how things go, for you. I'm- well, we can't wait to see how it goes, and we're excited for you. And thank you for sharing your inspiring stories and talking a little bit about student coffee life, Christine. And listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we wish you a wonderful rest of week. And uh, we look forward to joining next week together. And so in the meantime, we wish you a big aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.